We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, April 5th, and Adam Morrison is probably peeling like crazy right now. Did you watch the national championship game on Monday? I did. I was working, so I had some other things. It was on in the background. I checked Adam Morrison. Also, Michael Phelps, definitely peeling as well. Yeah, it was a big night for tan white people or burned white people. <laughs> uh, like Adam Morrison. Super scrawny. Yeah, I mean, he was always fairly scrawny, yeah. but he's scrawnier now than he was, you know, back in his heyday in like 07, uh, but good to see him there, uh, good to see him rocking the tank top, uh, it looked like he literally came like straight from the pool and went right to the game. Michael Phelps might have actually come straight from the pool, that would actually make a little bit of sense. He too, very tan, very much at the game. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about this game because, you know, if you're a frequent podcast listener, chances are you've probably listened to a podcast about that game already. Also, it was one of the worst games ever in in any sport. Um, But that said, at least it was close. You know, the refereeing was terrible. There was zero semblance of a game flow at all at any point in the game. Uh, But at least it wasn't a blowout. And at least, you know, you you got to see a redemption story uh, with North Carolina. Well, first and foremost... 
obviously uh, that game was not going to live up to last year's game. So automatically people's expectations were going to fall short. We should have gone in expecting the worst. Should have. Yeah, especially that. Um, On top of that, you know, you have a lot of NBA people watching that game. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm I'm sure it's like one of the first, you know, college games they've watched all season, but there was only one game. And so all the NBA uh, media people, fans were watching college basketball. Again, they probably hadn't watched that many. And and what I saw, and, and rightly so, but maybe too much, was just, wow, it's so different. Uh, college basketball refs are so inferior to NBA refs. It's insane. Now, I know that one game was was crazy. The national championship was, was very bad. But in general, do you, as somebody who watches a lot of college basketball and a lot of NBA, do you think there's that much of a difference between the quality of referees? You could have just said, as someone who has a lot of time on their hands in the evenings during the winter months. Yes. <laughs> no, I don't think the referees to me are not the big issue. Like you, you can you can pick out a random NBA game to watch, and there's going to be bad calls. Like I thought, right. I thought the anger was a little bit misplaced, and there was a lot of anger. Don't be, don't be mistaken about that. Um, I think it's just a quality of play issue. I mean, like the referees were not good. I'm not here to defend the referees. Like that was a very poor showing by them. Uh, but. I mean, we also saw Theo Pinson brick like eight wide open threes. Justin Jackson, I think, was 0 of 8 or 0 of 9 from three. Like, it's just a different game. You know, like you watch so much NBA, you get used to, oh, you left that shooter wide open. He's going to make it seven out of 10 times. In college, it's like he's going to miss it seven out of 10 times. Like there's a lot of that. There's just a lot of sloppy play. We saw that at the end with, with Williams Goss. Like it's just for all the harping it can kind of go both ways you know people harp on the nba because there's no defense well part of that is just like the guys are so good at offense that it makes it look like the defense is bad because they hit more difficult shots and then you watch the college game and those shots that you're seeing routinely being made in the nba uh, aren't made anymore and all of a sudden that makes the game look ugly because both teams shot something like a combined 34 percent so you kind of you kind of touched on it with saying you know the NBA people were out in full force on Twitter. This was a big time I told you so right. moment for the, for NBA Twitter. You know it was like all these people are saying you know the tournament's back now. The whole college basketball is a more pure game than the NBA. That whole crowd was out, and then it was like a hmm. Look at this. Uh, look at how much fun this championship game was. And and I don't appreciate that from NBA. And now I'm first and foremost an NBA guy. Um, and I really don't watch a lot of college basketball anymore, like like maybe I used to. Was there but a turning point for you? When Was I graduated like college. One event? Well, when I graduated college, I just kind of just stopped – um, stopped really following because I mean I had season was, tickets to the Badgers and I was really locked into how they were doing and so in turn I knew the Big Ten and then followed out from there. So like basically you quit college basketball when the Badgers lost in the Final Four. Well, that's that's an unfair way to put it. But when I was out of college, I stopped following college basketball. It yeah. seems like a fair correlation to me. But I did not appreciate NBA Twitter because what those tweets should have been saying and the root of those tweets is. Actually, we just take for granted how good NBA athletes yes. are. It's not that the college product or college teams or individual college players or refs are bad. It's just the NBA talent is so very, very good. And I don't think that's fair to slander college basketball. You should in, instead, in turn, just say, wow, NBA, everything in the NBA is just very good. And so I, I don't like the negativity. I don't appreciate it. I don't stand for it, Nick Whalen. Um, but guess what? We have wow. the whole off season of this weird dichotomy between that because the very last college basketball game of the season, you know, gave fodder for the NBA as a better product yeah. than the college product. 
the NBA is a better product. I think the NBA playoffs, which get underway next weekend, are going to remind everybody of that. Uh, but people are pretty set in their ways when it comes to choosing one side or the other. Um, okay, before we get into one of several topics uh, that we have on the docket for today, yeah, I was doing my usual research, hours and hours uh, of research before the podcast, and it turns out 10 years ago on this exact day, this is just crazy how this lines up, Drew Gooden had a 14.14 rebound double-double, then he fouled out, no big deal. Um that led me to believe. Or that led me to look up. Like, I wonder how many double doubles Drew Gooden had in his career. You know, a natural question that most people have probably found themselves asking. So, I'm going to ask you: How many double doubles do you think Drew Gooden, who is not on an NBA roster this season, although I'm I'm pretty sure he's not actually retired. I think he's kind of just waiting for the call. How many double doubles do you think he had in his career, which began, I believe, in 2003? All right, he was in the. I think it was 2002. He, he was in the 2002 draft, got drafted number four overall in the first round by the yes, Memphis Grizzlies. he did not record a, a double-double, however, until the 2013 season. All right, so he's got at least two. Um, he does. As somebody who's 6'10", you would think that he'd have many double-doubles, so I think a fair answer for somebody who played in the NBA for so long, I mean, you would think like a couple hundred because even bench, even bench guys, you know, at some points in their career – you know, can can get like small double doubles because like somebody like Jonas Valanciunas, he's not a, he's not the best center in the NBA. He's whoa 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 whoa. Back up a second. What? Yeah, Jonas Valanciunas. Hot take. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm Hashtag sorry. Go, hot go take ahead. alert. Uh, <laughs> right. Like when when Valanciunas's career is all said and done, like he's gonna have a ton, a ton, a ton of double doubles. So even somebody who is inferior to Valanciunas is still gonna have a good amount. So I'll say uh, well, what inferior to Valanciunas. Well, yeah. So somebody better than Valanciunas should have a whole heck of a lot of double doubles. I don't care how you look at it. I'm just saying that double doubles really aren't, you know, great okay, well, indicator the, of how good a player. Starting the war is. on the double double. So what, I'll guess 100, 143. Ooh, okay. That's. I thought you were going to guess a lot lower. I would have guessed a lot lower. 198. I'm not surprised. That's by only that at four all. fewer than Paul Millsap has. Whoa, that is okay. more than Jawan Howard. That is more than Grant Hill. More than Rasheed Wallace. More than David West. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Uh, so Drew Gooden, better than David West. There you have it. <laughs> I like it. That's just, yeah, that's just crazy. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not as fascinating as I thought, but 198 just seemed like way too many. Um, David but West apparently and Drew that's... Gooden look a lot alike, too, so I think that's a good comparison in terms of how much hair is has on Has David head. West ever braided his goatee? Ooh. I don't know that he has. You love that. That's your favorite stat or just favorite goatees. thing. Because that's let's say that's your like favorite NBA folklore is that Drew Gooden once had a braided beard. I got a lot of favorite folklore. That's up there. Yeah. I mean, you just don't see that really from a lot of guys. Um, okay. So yesterday or two days ago, I guess already, we talked about the MVP. We talked about the MVP for like an hour. So I really don't want to restart that discussion. That said, I'm going to restart that discussion because I thought of something uh, that I wanted to ask you just to kind of wrap it up. Right now, the playoff picture is becoming much more clear, especially in the Western Conference. You got three and a half games between Golden State and San Antonio. You know, you got eight games between San Antonio and Houston. You got four and a half, I believe, if, I'm, if I can do basic math here, between Houston and Utah. 
basically Utah and the Clippers could flop at four and five. Uh, that's like the only thing that's still in contention other than the eight seed, and that's kind of down to Denver and Portland. Um, but right now it's looking overwhelmingly likely that we're going to get Houston and OKC in round one. So my question is, what would you think about extending the MVP voting into the playoffs and you'd vote for it at the end of the finals? Just in general, not for this one season? No, 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 not just, yeah, I mean, it I would guess help it, it this would include this more season. More so than right. ever. Yeah, of course. But... I mean, like, that's part of the debate, I guess. But you make it, you know, because the MVP is never going to go to a guy who's not on a playoff team. So in theory, that guy is going to get at least four games. But guess what? That's that's not written in any rule book, and therefore but, you, I mean, you it's can't going to happen. Yeah, you can't say that though because it's not it's not written in. I know it's not going to happen. I'll but, write it down. It's okay. not going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's most valuable player, and this goes back to again. I don't want to rehash the whole pod that we had already. If you if you want in depth discussion about this, feel free to go back. It should be the most previous episode. Super but, previous. But you're just <laughs> you're just not giving any credential to the bulk of the regular season, which is where this award should be decided. And so we went on and on, and me especially went on and on about how this award is most likely going to be decided in the last five games of the season unjustly. But guess what? That's kind of how awards are decided. So uh, no, Nick, I I don't think it should be decided in the playoffs. Um, The last thing we kind of talked about on Monday was, you know, Dirk, um, who got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And then, you know, there would a lot of there would have been many, many voters that he would wouldn't say, have got that MVP. He wouldn't have got that MVP. But that's not fair because he put in work for 82 yeah. regular season games. This I don't know if this is written down anywhere. It must be. Well it has to be. This is a regular season award. It's not yeah, a guess, it's regular guess what award. the awards are for the postseason. It's winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. That's the only award that really matters plus finals MVP. But it's just a whole new thing. There's yeah. you know this is a regular season award. I think it makes a lot of sense, and a lot of people listening to this will be like, "Oh, heck yeah!" Especially I think it makes because, a lot of sense to be because honest. Of, I really do. Yeah, especially because of this more year, so this but. year, but any year it makes sense. I don't know. I mean, I think like does Derrick Rose win the MVP in 2011? If you extend it through the playoffs, well, guess what? I tell you, maybe what. because LeBron. Well, I tell you what, it's terrible. We always talk about how Greg Popovich is always the best coach, but he doesn't always win that award every single year, and LeBron James is clearly the best player in the NBA, but he doesn't always win that. If we extended that, those type of awards into the postseason and throughout the postseason, then you would get LeBron winning it more often, which probably is what should take place. So I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I understand. I I think it would just be, it just makes sense, right? Like we talk about, you know, the whole argument for Harden that we basically laid out is his numbers aren't that far from Russ and his team is better. What if Harden ultimately wins the MVP in a month, but they get swept in round one by Westbrook. Like, won't that feel really weird or, well, or vice versa? Well, you and I went back and watched that Dirk press conference. Yeah. And he has, they lost in the first round and then he, ex- and then he accepted the MVP yeah, trophy but, and it was the saddest press conference ever. Right. So what would I, I would just expect a very another sad press conference. Well, yeah, but I mean, in Dirk's case and in, you know, this case too, since this is all hypothetical, like that series didn't count. All the votes are in before the playoffs start. So like, it's right. not, it's not like, voters are told don't think about the playoffs it's like they literally can't because the votes are in now it would i mean i think it would affect things i think it'd be i think it would make it more interesting like it i mean it would probably make it an even harder debate but it could also make it easier so i don't know i don't think that's like the most outlandish idea i don't think they would ever change that 
Uh, but I, I think it would. I I could come around to it. I, I I'm I'm just mostly playing devil's advocate yeah. here. But if it means that LeBron James is going to be awarded MVP more often than that, so Greg Popovich could be too. Then you know what? That's fair in my book. So that, that would have made things interesting. Um, like what about last season? Curry's the unanimous MVP. There's no doubt about it. You know, if you you were insane to think otherwise that Curry wasn't the MVP last year, he struggles throughout the playoffs. He struggles for most of the finals. LeBron goes insane for the second straight year against Golden State. LeBron wins MVP. Wins game like does well, right, but does yeah. does LeBron's crazy postseason outweigh Steph's eighty-two game body of work in yes. the regular season? Like then, then you have that question. Well, of course, Nick, because I've been saying that the last five games of the regular season end up deciding this award. So you better bet that a seven-game series in the final is going to have way more weighted importance, whether people admit it, whether the voters admit it or not, in terms of who they actually write down for that award. So you bet that. LeBron James yeah. would have won MVP, but if it wouldn't it was have been voted unanimous, on. you know, because like Curry was so good that like I don't know, like, I I think there you could still hey. justifiably vote for Curry. It's like it's not like his team lost in round one. Well, you know what would factor into this hypothetical situation is the playoffs are really really long. What are yes, they, they? Two are. and a half months. I mean, you can play up to an extra twenty eight games. I know, and but the thing is that you you forget the regular season by the by the time playoffs yeah. run around and it's summer everywhere. Like it just feels like a whole new thing, and you, and long gone are the days. In the middle of November, December, and January, where Curry was balling out, it's all about LeBron. So it's just, you know, voters have a short attention span, and you better bet that they're going to put way more importance on a championship run than they would, you know, Mm -hmm. a good month in January. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what won Kevin Durant, the MVP, what was it, three seasons ago. He had an insane January, yeah. something like that. But if you extend it into the playoffs and one of those teams, I think it probably was LeBron that year, of course, uh, he probably would have gotten more MVP votes and maybe won it instead of Durant that year. Did you listen to the Simmons-Durant pod volume two last weekend? Durant, Simmons asked him that, like, what was the best month of your career? Because I think they were talking about Westbrook's last month. Yeah. And, like, right away, Durant referenced that. Like, he knew. He didn't even have to think about it. He just well, said, like, yeah, January that month, of... I mean, I'm a Thunder fan, so I remember it especially well. But that was, that was I mean, there was a couple seasons there where Durant and Westbrook were trading injuries, and they both kind of led the yeah. team. Well, Russ and, was out for that month. Yeah, Russ was out that I mean, he... Durant went off. It was it was insane. That was easily the best month of his career. Yeah. Of course, he remembers. That's it. saying a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, guys like that can pick from like twelve different months, basically, where they've had career months. The Orlando Magic. I mean. What I almost transition. thought this was. I almost thought from, this was. Yeah, right. From MVP the, talks and final yeah, talks to the, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Um, are how? Just before we get into anything, are they in Sacramento Kings status? Are they on par with the Sacramento Kings in terms of no. the way their organization is run? Especially after that tweet where they just mistakenly was tweeted out all their offseason plans. Well, that's what we're going to get to. Okay, sorry, uh, sorry. That was to, a good, yeah. good lead. They're not in the Kings territory because they've, they've been to a finals in the last decade. You got to remember that. It's new. Everything's new now. Like that group okay. is gone. I mean, this current group is making a r- serious run at the Kings. Like they're doing there's, their best. There's nothing left from that group, though. No, that's the, right. yeah, the front right. office isn't even but, like, the same. The Magic as a franchise are not viewed in the same way as the Kings. The, if you're just taking the last five years, sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're terrible. The I, I mean, this is just like an unbelievable 
sequence of events. I mean, it's not like it'd be one thing if they posted the photo from like a team account or like Frank Vogel took the photo or Rob Hennigan took the photo. Like that would be another level of egregious, but this is still pretty bad. Um, well, the biggest thing for me, for me and you that we've talked about is why are you allowing a guy who's only going to be on the team for 10 days into a room where it has all your off season? Like plans? what room is this? Like what, how many rooms <laughs> don't you have more than one your, room? Right. Like, it's just like, all right, our contract signing room is also the room where we write all of our top our secret war strategy. Room. Our war room is the same yeah, as like it's our... It's also the equipment room, and it's like the <laughs> weight room too. Like what kind of facility is this? Like the Amway Center, it was built like less than 10 years ago. It's a super nice place. Like yeah. that's the biggest, most egregious thing about this is like just get more space. Can confirm, by the way, and the Kings have a nice new stadium now too. Uh, I was down there uh, at the Amway a couple years ago. Great pavilion area, which yeah. the Bucks are including... Arena is super nice, lots like good environments, not a bad spot in the right. city. Like that, that side of the organization is is perfectly I fine. I was there this past fall, and I yeah, I was like shocked at how nice it is, yeah. even from the outside. I mean, it, it looked like the place that would have at a minimum like ten rooms. You know, like <laughs> at, I mean, we're talking bare minimum, and like I just don't understand how this is. And it's not like this isn't the room that you're signing. Paul George to a six-year contract as a free agent in. This is the room that you're signing. I don't even know what the guy's name is. Like someone who I had never heard of. I didn't know who that. And I like, still don't know who it is. You know, I'm a big college basketball guy. I'm a big D-league guy. Like normally these obscure guys, I like will at least say like, oh, I remember him. He played at Temple eight years ago. It's like, oh, that guy. This guy was like, I have no idea. Like we need to do a real deep, real GM search. Patricio Garino, is that who? Right. Like, po- who like soccer player? I don't know. Like who knows? And... Yeah, so you allow his, I think like his friend or his agent took his the photo. His entourage, I'm Somebody, sure, yeah. yeah. So it's like a photo, you know, of him signing a contract, which like, good luck finding that photo because the only one you're going to find is like the crop version that just shows, <laughs> like the guy's out of it. It's just the whiteboard. And like, now we can actually talk about the whiteboard itself. Wow. Like they are aiming low this off season. Uh, I don't know if these are in any order. I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to, you know, how these are arranged, but you, I mean, some of the names on here, Tobias Harris, Solomon Hill, Alondo Tucker, maybe, P.J. Tucker, <laughs> Rudy Gay, who currently has a severed Achilles, Lance Stevenson, Jeff Green. It's just like, what are, what does this mean? You know, it's, it's kind of cryptic. Um, but then, I mean, the really, the only like really bad thing that could come of this, because like, you know, it's not like they laid out this secret plan of like, all right, here's what we're going to do to get this guy. We're going to fleece this team and then we're going to lie to this team. Like, it's just a list. You know, every team probably has a similar list uh, somewhere in their facility, probably not on a public whiteboard. But the worst part about it is where it says Dario Sarge and then in parentheses, for AG, question mark. So <laughs> I wonder who AG is, maybe your best young asset. Um, so basically the worst part about this is not only is all this stuff public and it's just embarrassing for the franchise, but that's not all that bad. The bad part is you have to go to your best young player and say, sorry, man, um, you know, there's no real, real tough way to, there's no easy way to say this, but we have talked about maybe trading you for Dario Saric. Well, okay, we're going to get to that, but you let the newest player have info, right? Have yeah. clear exposure to this info that we're going to maybe trade. Like the newest player on the team could be like, hey, Aaron, by the way, right. they're going to trade. They're well, going to try to trade you. It's like, how? I, I don't think so much player, is wrong here. But. I don't think the player you worry about so much as the player's agent. Like that's the guy who right. runs this stuff, you know? Like, and I don't know. I mean, he's international. Maybe his agent's not all that plugged in. I really don't have any info on that. 
but still like why even take that chance okay so let's talk about that trade itself uh i was talking uh, with shannon today and i know that james anderson is probably the highest on aaron gordon out of anybody at rotowire i think i'm probably yeah i'm probably at the uh bottom and you fall somewhere in between so so does shannon Right now, I think it's a terrible deal, and the Magic would have to include another player, a pick, something, because a trade just straight up Aaron Gordon for Dario Saric, in my mind, is not fair whatsoever. I don't think it would be the worst deal necessarily, uh, just because I think like long-term Gordon, you could argue, might be, one, have a higher ceiling, and two, might be the better fit. All right. uh, just because you, I mean, you have assuming Embiid's healthy and assuming Simmons is healthy and assuming you're getting at least one, maybe two top seven picks in this draft, like you're going to have playmakers. And I, I feel like you're, you're going to have to marginalize Saric in some way because you can't make him the primary guy. And part of the reason he's been so good over these last couple of months is because he's been able to play make. And if you're going to not let him do that, he's a little less effective. I still wouldn't trade him for, for Gordon. I'm with you on that. I just think like Aaron Gordon is a very interesting skill set. He's a better defender. He's more athletic. You know, it, it wouldn't be like this egregious fleecing on either end. I think you could make a case for it both ways. I mean, Gordon over his last like 20 games or so is averaging 16 and a half points, six rebounds, two assists, shooting 50% from the floor. It's not like he's been bad. Right. But then you can throw in the game just, you know, like six games ago where he only put up, uh, he got you one rebound about five games That's ago, an issue. which is that should never happen for somebody. You can't really say, and as you as everybody else had, super athletic, you know, can plug him in a couple different places. But if he's only going out there and get getting one rebound, then the athletic argument for Aaron Gordon goes out the window because yeah. that's just garbage. Well, I don't know. I mean, the other night, if you want to pick and choose, like Dario Saric had eight points and four rebounds and four turnovers in a blowout loss to the Cavs Aaron Gordon went for like 32 and 16 like I mean you, we can cherry pick games all day like they they've both shined at times I think Saric has shined more overall there's a seven game stretch in March from March 13th to 27th where Air, uh, where Gordon is only averaging three rebounds per game and for somebody that it, they've moved back down to the power forward position I mean I just don't understand how that happened he's playing alongside some elite rebounders on that magic team you, you try to get a rebound over Terrence Ross okay or Mario Hazonia yeah uh no I mean Aaron Gordon is such a weird case I, I don't I mean they're gonna have this fall he's eligible for the extension like what do you you kind of have to extend him right I don't really understand. Well, all the moves they've made so far um, by allowing him to come in and play his more natural position and getting rid of Ibaka for, you know, pennies on the dollar made it seem like, all right, Aaron, let's see what you got. And I think this second half of the season really was, should we invest in him or not? We we did everything we could for him. We put him back to his natural position. Um, you know, his teammates really shouldn't impede him from getting production because the season is already lost. For me, he really hasn't stepped up. I know he's had a couple good games in the last few, you know, over the last few, but I, I, I like Saric a lot more. Um, and, and the biggest thing going for Aaron Gordon right now is that he's only 21 years old when NBA peaks are later twenties, then of course there's still a lot of reason to like Aaron Gordon. Um, but man, if, if he's the best thing the magic have going right now, that really sums up perfectly exactly what they do have going, which is not much. He's kind of Jabari Parker ish to me. Um, where I think if he would have like made the Jabari leap this year, nobody would have been all that surprised. Um, and I still think he, he might have it in him. I mean, who knows? I, I think like, so if you're Orlando, knowing what we know right now, do you make 
you know, make the move to extend him this fall, give him the early extension that, you know, almost every pretty good yeah. rookie has gotten. Now, all, all of everything I just said, you know, it still doesn't mean they they should just kick him to the curb. They should still sign him because there, you know, there's teams out there that, you know, if anything, put still vested interest. Like I said, he's 21 years old. There's still a place for him in the NBA. I just don't like the his ceiling is still Blake Griffin because I don't think it's that high. Yeah, I I think he also has the makeup of a guy where you don't want to be the team that gave up on him because you could kind of see it. Like he's, it's not like he's Derek Williams where you're like pretty sure he's not going to be good. Like there's he's shown enough flashes every now and then where I think there's still in the back of your mind, like, man, if this guy, if he figures things out, he could still be really, really, really good. So I think I think if you're Orlando, and like you said, it's not like you have anything else going for you. I mean, you might as well extend him. You've got to pay somebody. If anything, it'll soak up enough cap room that you can't misspend it on, like, Bismack Biambo type of guys. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's a win-win for them. So on that whiteboard, there was an X next to Jeff Green's name. I think what? they're going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> there's a hit out. That's it. It really was just a hit board. Um, is there another team left in the NBA that is willing to give him a chance? Jeff Green, that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen this over and over again, where it seems like, you know, teams are at wit's end with this guy. Like, I mean, Green's going on like his fifth team in a row where it just hasn't worked. Somebody's going to sign him. Um, you know, I mean, the list goes on of guys who just don't seem like fits in the NBA anymore. And Green... Green, you know, I was going to say like Roy Hibbert, Al Jefferson, you know, like there's just no place in the league for these guys. And yet every single year they find a home. Lance Stevenson. Lance Steven, Right. That's the thing. Like Lance Stevenson has had a lot of transgressions and yet continues <laughs> to get like Jordan Crawford is in the NBA right, right now. Like there, somebody will want Jeff then. Green. Like, well, I just I think it's funny that at this point, specifically with Green, is that he's played for a lot of teams in the NBA and teams are going to have to welcome him back. He, it's just getting to the point in Jeff Green's career. It's like, well, you've played for a third of the teams in the NBA, which only leaves two thirds. Guess what? Those two thirds of the NBA had not been pursuing you in the, like mm-hmm. we're getting to a point where you can only be picked up by so many different teams in the NBA. That's mm-hmm. obviously he's going to end up somewhere, but it is just kind of funny how the, he's taken journeymen to a, a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll he'll have a home, you know, as a eighth, ninth man for pretty much as long as he wants. You know, I mean, he seems like a generally good guy. He's still a decent defender. Like, there's there's always room for a player like that. I mean, the days of the days of teams bringing in Jeff Green to kind of like galvanize them or bringing them in as the final piece, hopefully, are over. I think that's run its course. Like, you know, too many times now that teams will learn, um, but. You know, I don't know. I, I would, you know, being Jeff Green's agent probably isn't the greatest job in the world right now. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about pristineauction.com. Pristine Auction is the place to go if you're a sports fan and you're looking for memorabilia for your man cave or just your personal collection. eBay's great, but with sites like that where anyone can sell anything, you don't know exactly what you're getting. And with Pristine Auction, everything is guaranteed to be 100% authentic and only from the most trusted sources. Plus, buying in an auction format makes everything more affordable. It's quick, it's easy, and it's free to register. Unlike other auction sites, it's free to bid. You only pay when you win. Seems like a pretty great deal to me. Pristine Auction has a ton of memorabilia from all the major sports. Our colleague and close personal friend of mine, Derek Van Riper, was firing me links earlier today on Pristine Auction. One of those was a Tyreek Evans signed photo that was going for $1. These are the type of items that are at stake here. 
great prices. And again, you only pay when you win. Check out Pristine Auction. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction. It's authentic. It's affordable. Pristine Auction. So a couple things from last night's game. Games. I watched Warriors-Wolves. I was shocked that Andrew Wiggins has cornrows. And I knew Andrew Wiggins had cornrows. He's had them for several weeks now, probably over a month. And I knew that, but I hadn't watched the Timberwolves, you know, for more than a few minutes in the last couple of months. So I was like, whoa, he's still got the cornrows. That looks great. He looks, he looks awesome. You know, like word to Kawhi for kind of keeping those alive. Um, and that got me thinking, who are the most memorable cornrows guys in NBA history? And we're, we're going to have to dip back into the 90s and especially the early 2000s, kind of the heyday of cornrows. Like, who do you remember most for their cornrows? For me, there's... There's a clear winner here that just jumps to the the front of my brain when I think about this, and it's Iverson, of course. Like it's just so iconic, and the fact that he had cornrows for basically his yeah. whole career is is pretty important here. Like Wiggins may only end up having cornrows for like three months out of his whole career if he gets rid of them. Yeah, soon. I mean Iverson's like the Jesus of cornrows. I mean you can't like, sure. a list like this can't be completed without Iverson. Spreewell for me, obviously. Um, took the Iverson look to a new level and extended the braids down the neck. Yeah. Kind of like those, you ever go to like a hippie store, like that Sunshine Daydream place downtown in Madison has all those like beaded, Yeah, I don't even know, what what do you call those? Like they like hang them over a doorway. And yeah, kind of it's like, them. In, it was like instead that, of a door, a, it's like, it's more open and liberal than a door because you can. There's a, like, there's a specific word for that though. Uh, but it's like a you know like a beaded curtain like door beads. Yeah. It's like that was just like on his neck. People know what it. People yeah, know what you're I'm talking doing about. a bad job explaining it, but hopefully you're getting some imagery. Ricky Davis for me was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, just one of those guys you just kind of knew. Like everything about Ricky Davis just kind of screamed like cornrows. Sure. Um, he had the mutton chops too for a lot of his career. That that <laughs> kind of melted into the cornrows. I think that really enhanced the look. Kawhi makes my list um, because of what he's done for the hairstyle. I mean, there was a time as as early as last season that he was the only player in the NBA that still had cornrows. And now you're seeing a, a little bit of a resurgence. I think, you know, Iman Shumpert has been kind of toying with that look, although it's a kind of a modified version of the cornrows. Um, but I think Kawhi's insistence uh, on keeping the cornrows alive has been big. Do you think he's ever going to get rid of them? Like, do you remember when I never thought Mello would get rid of them and then he just showed up one day and didn't have the cornrows anymore? Uh, I don't know why he would. He just seems like, you know, pretty simple guy to me. Yeah. He's stuck in his way. <laughs> I wonder if he even knows he has them or like knows that he can't have them. <laughs> he's so chill that he, he has like, no idea what's going on. He's like on. never even considered it. <laughs> uh, Brad Miller, very notable. Yeah. I uh, got a picture of those up right Very on, notable right now. for one specific reason. I can't quite put my finger on wow. what it was about yeah. him specifically having cornrows, <laughs> um, but he's on there. Ben Wallace to me too. Yeah. You, know, you think of Ben Wallace as the fro guy. But people forget that for several years in Detroit, he would go cornrows on the road, fro at home. Like, how cool is that? Wow. Yeah. And he would only allow his girlfriend slash, uh, I think, future wife to do the cornrows. Like, she was the only one who was allowed to tamper with it. And I remember in the, in the 05 finals when they were playing the Spurs, which I believe they eventually lost that series, uh, Big Ben had taken some serious criticism because he told the media that he played better with a fro and then they went and lost the first two games of the series in San Antonio when he had cornrows. And people were like, man, you, you got you to gotta bring back the throw. You're <laughs> killing us right now. Yeah. 
Uh, so a couple of other guys they didn't mention. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't have. I a can ton. tell you don't. You don't, don't have, have the have passion a, for this. Yeah, that I, I don't do. have. A, I don't have the passion for it. But there are some names that I want to bring up here. Um, of course, uh, Spencer Hawes. There's a notable picture of him. Although I don't think he actually took the court in cornrows. He was just like chilling out in Mexico with some oh, yeah, aviators right. on. I got it pulled up here. If you want to take a look, that's. Oh no, I, I, it's, I'm, uh, I'm well aware. That used to be uh, our colleague Eric Couturier's Twitter. Twitter. Photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was, I thought that lot. was him for a while because Eric, like, big cornrow guy. He's got, he has enough hair for it. Well, it's just like a little avatar. It's just like a little tiny yeah. thing. And I'd, I'd assumed it was just him for a long time, which is crazy. Um, Andrew Bynum also, when he was just kind of like parading on the bench for a while, one of his mini mini hairstyles while he was yep. parading on the bench was cornrows. However, there's a notable admission here that basically pops into every current hairstyle conversation we have, for better or worse. Jeremy Lin, also. Mm. Cornrows. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was this was something that I was hoping we could kind of gloss over and not have to get into, but you're right. Uh, we do have to mention Jeremy Lin, and I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. I... Do two, do two rows count? Because that's all he had. It counts. Okay. They were like French braids, too. Which he, uh, he was, yeah he had buzzed down the sides which is yeah huge was, look huge look for girls right now right I just don't understand it with Jeremy Lin I I've, I think I've said this on a pod before and I don't know Jeremy Lin I don't know you know where his motivations lie but I do have you, you heard do know story? Jeremy Lin yeah so he he had a pact with some well you of know his, Jeremy Lin no I don't oh, know okay. Jeremy Lin I know the motivations behind oh, his okay, numerous hairstyles so. He just had a pact with his friends, his friends before he, you know, became an NBA star. That they they just made a pact basically yeah. to grow out their hair and do crazy stuff with it all the time. Just guy stuff. So yeah, just guy stuff. So from you know, knowing the origin of why, you know, I can understand it. It was kind of a running joke and then they took it and I mean, you might as well just just go for it. It's he's he's enjoying okay. he's enjoying life. All right. I'm glad I know that because yeah. I I I always wondered, you know, he went he went from, you know, no name to huge name mm-hmm. and then became somewhat of a gimmick. And I don't know if gimmick's the right word. It was it was a sideshow though. You know, you were there to watch the Knicks, but half the crowd was there only to watch Jeremy Lin. And I never got the impression that he loved that. I think he wanted to just be any other NBA star. And then like the whole hair thing to me is like, why are you drawing attention to yourself in this weird fashion if you just want to be this normal NBA player? So I don't think there's any devious motives like, oh, he's just having an average couple of seasons and now he's doing Mm -hmm. this hair thing to grab attention. No, he literally just had some friends and I'm sure they joked joked around about it for years and finally they're just like, let's do it. And they did it. So it's it's all in good Mm -hmm. fun. And that that expression actually is very descriptive in this situation. Mm Mm-hmm. Michael Beasley, we should probably mention oh, yeah. as well, who I believe once again has painted his fingernails. Sure, this has been a thing in the past. I wonder if he has he's, a pack. With he's his doing friends. it again. I. Oh, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. I. Yeah, I don't know. I would like to meet Michael Beasley's friends. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. Also, last night, two. I wouldn't say fights. I would say there's some scrapping in a couple of games last night. First, which I'm sure you've seen by now, Lance Stevenson. Makes his return to Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So he'd already played a couple games with the Pacers, but this was his first game back. Gets a huge standing ovation as he as he checks in in the first quarter. Late in the game, Lance played really well. Not to take anything away from him, he was great. Miles Turner, Paul George took time after the game to say how much you know he helped out, and they blew out the Raptors. Lance Stevenson, with about six seconds left, just had to dribble out the clock, just get it over half court. You know, do what any other normal player would do. 
Nope. Beelines it to the hoop, lays it in. And while he's trying to run back on defense, acting like he didn't do anything wrong, he was confronted by a gaggle of Raptors, most notably P.J. Tucker and DeMar DeRozan. And to Lance's credit, kind of took the high road, just stared stared straight ahead. He really, and really like, did. It was like an old video games where your character walks into a wall and just kind of keeps walking. It's like he was trying to walk, but Tucker and DeRozan weren't letting him. He Eventually, took it like a he took it like a champ. I I honestly don't think there's a lot of people out yeah. there that have enough self control to right. literally have too. two people yelling right in your face within five inches. Probably not as you're walking nice away. But Lance has got to get back in the swing of things. He needs a little momentum. And you know what, Nick? This was it. He's an agitator. That's his whole thing right. in the NBA. That that's what he has going for him. So if he needs to find personal motivation, and if, I mean, this is just what he does. Well, part of me also wants to believe that he was just doing this for pure stat reasons, and okay. obviously knew what would happen. But he was like, "Hey, I'm going to throw two more points up here. I got I, I got a chance here to. I mean, what did he finish with? 13, 15? Um, yeah, he put twelve points." off the bench you know he's like hey why not so I think he would do it again if given the opportunity and then he topped it all off by taking a photo of himself on his snapchat account posting it to his story of him in a Raptors throwback jersey oh wow I did not see that part of it well I went to go look at the total score because I'm wondering if there was like a uh, free slice of pizza involved or like no. free yeah, if, they, if the Pacers hit 108 points right. they have a... yeah there's no 108 no. bonus so that, that would be interesting you know I I don't know any names but there are stories of of fans doing or not fans but players doing oh, yeah. that where they you know they're totally aware yeah in Washington the fans for years would just go for the free Chick-fil-a right well yeah I don't know what it well what it is now is if the opponent misses two free throws right. in the fourth quarter so I'm not sure if they controlled it but you know there are stories of of players like chucking up shots to get to 100 yeah. so the fans get a free taco or something yeah, I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking this could be totally wrong. That it used to be in Washington, if anyone missed two straight free throws, like even the Wizards players. Oh, that I, sw- seems I swear there was intuitive. Yeah, well, I swear there was one time where like a player missed two, and the crowd, you know, like obviously that's bad for the Wizards, and yeah. the crowd like went nuts at the same time. It's like this odd juxtaposition. The other crazy thing that happened last night. So I like to think JaVale McGee, you know, he's playing the late game, late starting. It started at like 9.30 against Minnesota. So he had a chance, you know, in pregame, he saw the Lance clip and was like, hell no, this guy's not not taking my spot. (laughs) What does he do? First half of that game against Minnesota, commits a pretty hard foul on Gorgie Jang. Jang gives him a shove. McGee, rather than taking the high road like Lance, gives him a shove right back, gets a flagrant one and a technical. I like it, you know. These two guys are not going to have a lot of say in how games are decided, but they're going to go out there and set the tone. And and right. I like that, you know, mentally, if you will, if you'll afford me this this luxury, they're locked in. They they want to have an impact on the game. JaVale McGee. And, and, I, and I will defend to the death that stuff like this is actually good for your team. It's a rallying cry. Uh, it gets the opponents going. It might get them rattled. Don't know if I'm on board with literally blowing in another man's ear, but guess what? You know, it works. It, it, there's just did there's, it though. Maybe not for LeBron, but in general, you know that we're gonna like need it. a bigger sample. I, we're gonna I need love, him to be blowing in more ears. I love the mind games, and when yeah. sometimes well, it extends us. into a little bit of the physical altercation game, I I, I enjoy that yeah. too. I, I like it. I mean, there's a there's a line. I didn't think what Javale's foul wasn't that bad. It looked worse in real time than it did. I don't even think he meant to do it. I think it was a hard foul, but I, he certainly didn't 
mean any maliciousness. And I think he was genuinely surprised that Jang went at him. Like I, I kind of was surprised too. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, love when stuff like that happens. I think we're hopefully going to get more of it with Stevenson back in the mix. Real quick, um, Ibaka and Lopez only got a one game suspension. Now the the kind of th- like it's it's kind of crazy that they only got one game suspension, right? And and the justification that hasn't actually been given by Kiki Vandeweghe or the NBA is that these are two teams fighting for playoffs. So you're thinking they don't eh. want to affect it. But what about this, Nick? What about this uh, this crazy theory? What if, uh, you know, a couple thrown punches here and there is actually good for the NBA and spices it up late in the season? And they they aren't super opposed to, you know, some highlight stuff that would lead Sports Center every night. I think I think the opposite. I think they don't want it at all. I think okay. I, I think they crack down on but, that. But aren't we aren't we far enough removed from from those you know that era of nba where if we have a little mixed in it's not like oh those players are all you know bad people well i think we think that way and rightfully i think i think think the nba is not worried about what you don't think we're far enough four-year-old white males think okay i I don't think we. i think in the nba like ask david stern if he thinks that you know now we now it's okay to have another fight because it's been long enough since mouse at the palace like, no okay. way right. i think they got one game suspensions because they didn't land the punches i think if either of those punches land but, it's but like they, five games but they they if you would ask them they said that it has to be intent that's that's generally what we go on and they intended to punch each other in the face well i mean you also get suspended one game without pay that for those guys that was like it was like eighty thousand dollars i think for lopez and like a hundred thousand dollars for ibaka so I mean they've they're paying for it outside of just missing a game. But it just doesn't fall in line with previous suspensions for similar altercations. So that's that's why I'm saying uh, it's a it's a crazy radical theory that the NBA would actually of course they don't want players to fight, but you know, a little spiciness here and there is is always good for the league, any league, really. I think it just would have been hard to justify a suspension when nobody was hurt and yeah, nobody landed Longer any punches. Like it just would have been All hard right. to explain. Fair enough. Okay, so what else do we have here? So the Cavs blew out the Magic, probably their best overall team effort in a while. They were finally healthy. Kyle Korver was back, and then they lose Tristan Thompson. And I have not seen official news on Thompson's injury. He had an x-ray that came back clean. Going to miss two games. For sure, at least two, right? Which is crazy getting because an MRI. he has not missed a game in about five seasons. He's yeah. the last of an era. We were talking about it this morning where you know we're never going to see a player play in all 82 games for five straight seasons. It's just not going to happen again. And, you know, uh, we, we talked about players resting. And, and if you go back and look at all the box scores, all the news, uh, Tristan Thompson, even on those games when everybody was resting, he would still start, play a little bit, but not a full complement of minutes because he was very conscious yeah. of this streak. So the streak's going to come to an end tonight as the Cavs play on the second night of a back-to-back in Boston. One seed is on the line in some ways. They're tied right now. Cleveland holds the tiebreaker, and I believe has already clinched the tiebreaker over Boston for the season. So in terms of that, not quite so much on the line, I guess, for for Cleveland. Um, this is probably a bigger game for Boston. That said, we've seen Cleveland come out flat in a lot of big games this season. Basically, every big game since they beat the Warriors on Christmas Day, it seems like they've lost and just, you know, they had that loss to the Bulls on TNT, I think, last week or two weeks ago, that huge Spurs loss last week. Um, 
this is a, a big kind of prove it game I think for Cleveland um, not necessarily to themselves because this is a championship team that brings a lot of people back and they know what they're capable of but the the crowd of people that's saying I'm a little bit worried about the Cavs I don't know if they can flip it on this year if Cleveland goes into Boston and wins handily tonight I think that'll maybe change the minds of a lot of people but if they go into Boston and come out as flat as they have for most of the last two months uh, I, I think that that Cavs concerning talk is going to only ramp up. And wouldn't you think that let's they would say, let's just go out there and play as hard as we can. Even if we do lose, let's put our best effort out there just to get the media off our backs through the first couple rounds of the playoffs. If nothing else, just to save a couple of those questions that they've been asked over and over and over. I think, Nick, that you know, while the Celtics may end up having the tiebreaker no matter what, you still put you're still in a position to move one full game ahead of Boston. And then over the next four games, uh, I believe they each have four games after this one, you know, something similar to that. Um, you know, you, you can kind of cruise to that one seed. So while they say they don't care about it, if you just go out there and play hard for uh, you know, f- 48 minutes, just one night, then you could get the one seed. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, even if you are so bla- uh, blase about the one seed, you can still go get it just with a good performance I think, tonight. I think they want it. And I think they're going to need it Why this year. You? Why wouldn't you yeah. want it? They well, can talk They can talk all that talk they want. But if it comes down to, hey, if you win this game, you got a really good chance to win the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference, I think they're going to go out there and ball out. Yeah, I mean, you would think. I think they'll try. I think they, I think they wanted to ball out against San Antonio and found out pretty quick that it wasn't their night you know like this Cavs team is just prone to those nights where it just nothing seems to click you know and the numbers have been fine for LeBron they've been fine for Kyrie but it some nights for whatever reason they they just have a hard time generating good shots and especially stopping teams um even last night so LeBron played 52 minutes on Sunday against Indiana double overtime I don't really fault LeBron or Ty Lue for that. I mean, it was a big game. You're going into double OT. You can't just sit LeBron for those periods. Five minutes left last night against Orlando. I'm I'm watching the game on on my phone between games at Roto Hoops, and LeBron is in the game. There's five minutes remaining, and they're up 17 points on the Orlando Magic at home. Like, why is LeBron even playing in the fourth quarter, let alone with five minutes left? I, I those are the things I don't understand. You have a chance to save two or three minutes a night, and it seems like LeBron is always in there just a little bit too long. Here's a, here's something that I haven't heard. I don't know if I'm the first to say this or not. Do you think that LeBron pulled out a calculator, figured out how many points he needs over the rest of his career per season to topple Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's no. 38,000 points, and is like, oh my gosh, I need, I need to get going here. And Absolutely that not. This is all, and that this is all most points all time motivated absolutely not no. why would he why would he take 14 shots last night why would he be playing in the final five minutes of the game when they're up 17 no. against one of the worst teams in the nba how about that no uh, no what i don't think he that, that he's, why would he care about that why wouldn't he care about It'd that be, he's chasing jordan he's not chasing kareem i mean where's jordan third all time in points i mean we can take a look but i mean I mean, yeah, it's, what, it's, what's what's it's crazier, Kareem, him him playing meaningless minutes against one of the worst teams in the NBA, or him staying out there to chase the all-time scoring he's title? Not doing what that. what's a crazier theory? I think they're at if least if he was chasing par. the scoring title, he'd be shooting ten more times per game. Like what? No. Okay, he's seventh right now behind Dirk. He's at twenty eight thousand six hundred ninety two. Yeah. Michael Jordan's at thirty two thousand two hundred ninety two. I, I really don't think it's that crazy. 
uh, to assume that James is going to pass Jordan. In fact, if you do your math and he averages at least like 24 points over the next five or six years, then yeah. he can he can top Kareem. So maybe I mean, he, could he started it. to think about that just a little bit. That's just a, that's a longevity record. Yeah, right? but he's, I mean, he's had a longevious career, so why wouldn't he be yeah. thinking about that too? I I would be very, very, very surprised if that is at all on LeBron's mind. I, I mean, I don't think it's titles, right? Like, if he doesn't, if he doesn't win another title, but he's the all-time scoring leader, I don't think that influences him really. You know, I think he would rather win two more titles than be the all-time scoring leader. So why was he on? Why was he on the court for those last five minutes? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I don't think he's out there to set records. Okay. No. I don't. I don't LeBron buy that for is, a second. LeBron is pretty smart, and, and he's usually ahead of the curve on most things. And you know what? At some point in the next four, five, six years, all the media attention is going to be on that. And we're going to put so much weight on him to pass that mile marker that maybe he's already been thinking about it. I think, I mean, he's going to be like, he's going to be like 38 years old, averaging like 15 points a game at that point. That's possible. I don't, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, to be honest. I think it'll be... It'll be like all these milestones, you know, that Kobe and Dirk have hit, you know, passing guys on certain lists. It's just like, oh, cool. I didn't even realize he was that close. You know, it's no, like he hasn't, he hasn't be, been a premier player in this years. This is going to be massive, massive, massive. And in five, six years, this is all the articles are going to be about. I mean, they're going to be about can he, can and how and when will he possibly pass Kareem? I know we're not Maybe. talking about it now, but earmark this podcast and, and pull it out in a few years because we're literally, that's what everyone is going to talk about all season season long i I just think lebron's not going to be as relevant at that point in his career really i think it'll be like kobe you know where it's like he's still a big name people still care but he's not the story of the league you know who knows what's going to be the story of the league he's he's so far off from kobe was very close to the story of the league last year yeah but it was in like a sad way importance well why wouldn't it be i mean the warriors were the real story of the league like kobe kobe doing what kobe did is is like you know, an afterthought when you think about last season in a lot of ways. Like LeBron is still a long way away. He's nine thousand six hundred and ninety-five points away. Right, that's a lot. I mean, he's what is he? At? How many points is he putting up per season? Right now, he's he's, you know, about nineteen hundred. He'll be around probably nineteen fifty this season. That's you know, it's hard to really say he'll do better than that. So I mean, let, we're looking at least like four years into the future. Let's say. He average. Let's just say he has. He averages twenty twenty four points for the rest of his career. So we're including the next few seasons where he's going to average more than twenty four points. Mm, see, you see, that's where I, like, he's only averaging twenty six this year. Only twenty five last year. Like I don't. I don't know if it's realistic to say he's going to be averaging twenty four points at age thirty six. So, so what's a fair number? I th- I think he's going to go into being a. 17 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, guys. So that, we'll like say he, over I the rest of his career, we'll, we'll meet in the middle where he's, what he's averaging now and just say tw- 21 points per game, all right? His average sure. over, all right? So it'll take him 461 games. If we divide that by 82, that's 5.6 seasons. You throw in extra playoff games there of him only needing to average 21 points per game. It's within the Playoffs reach. don't count for that, for the record. Oh, they don't? No. Playoffs don't count. Okay, so five He's going, half. but for the record, if the Cavs go to the finals this year, in all likelihood, LeBron will be the first player to ever score 6,000 points in the playoffs career. 
gosh, that should count. He'll, he'll, he's almost guaranteed to move into number two behind Jordan all-time playoff scoring this year. All right. Well, 5.6 seasons if he averaged 21 points for the rest of his career and plays all 82 games. Do you, how, yeah. what's the eight, what age does he play until? Good question. I, I do buy the do record. Think, that's, that's, no. that's my answer. He said so many times he doesn't care about scoring. Like he's said, I could win scoring title every year, but I don't care about it. Like he doesn't. I think he wants to play with his son, though. I have no reason to believe that. I just oh, think he does. Oh, okay. There's some motive. And how old is his son? Mm, middle school. I don't know. Okay. Something like that. Well, it, it'd probably be more than five and a half years until his son comes. So. Yeah, it would, be, it would probably be pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I think he wants to have like a Griffey situation, which would be awesome. That would. Who be wouldn't cool. root for that? That would be pretty cool. James to James for the throwdown. Yeah. Well, I mean, we also have to like his kid's good now, but like a lot of kids are really good in middle school. You know, so we'll see. <laughs> like that's not a guarantee that his son's going to be there in two thousand twenty-three or whatever. I, I it gotcha. Is. I gotcha. All right, we're previewing stories six and seven years down the road. I like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that we're 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 diametrically opposed on this. Where I think I LeBron just, James totally is cognizant. I've never of it heard that dead. take. That is a that is a preposterous. Well, good. Take. Finally, it, finally, take. for once in my no life, way. I have an original take. LeBron okay. James is conscious of the okay. all-time scoring champion title right now, today, and that's why he was playing the last five minutes of the Magic game. How about that? I like it. I he would be shooting more. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. Um, okay. Last thing I want to get to. Uh, we'll save the other stuff for tomorrow. Um, Tracy McGrady, big moment for me personally. Also, Tracy McGrady, um, in the Hall of Fame. He is a Hall of Famer, a first ballot Hall of Famer, somebody that people wondered if he would ever get in. He was kind of on the borderline because he had such a great peak, but not much longevity. Tracy McGrady is in. Ben Wallace did not get in. Baron Davis did not get in. Baron Davis, you know, shouldn't really expect him to get in. Ben Wallace, I think, has, is a really interesting case, and I think he should eventually get in. Um, but where do you stand on on T Mac? I think the majority of the takes that I've seen are that, of course, he's a Hall of Famer because anybody who's around our age remembers how awesome T Mac was, and everybody loved him from 2000 to 2006. Uh, and for most people, I think that was enough. He was so good for that span that that you know that was more than enough to to allow him into the hall of fame i guess um well obviously this is flash included right because if you look over the course of his career he had two great seasons where he averaged 32 points per game and 28 but otherwise you know he was hovering around the low 20s for most of his career and it finished out the last um let's see what would it be one two three four five seasons of his career averaging well no i take that back last three seasons averaging less than 10 he certainly is the borderline for me where you look at stats and you say okay maybe and then you're like oh yeah he was one of the best dunkers and the flashiest players of all time and you're like totally and totally yeah. totally i in. think that helps him yeah the the wow factor the star factor but is definitely there we, I mean, we have to say, as we always do when we talk about the Hall of Fame, like it's it's just not a great setup to begin with. No. The fact that it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, there needs to be an NBA yeah. Hall of Fame, and well, with T Mac, never played in the Olympics, didn't go to college. Didn't go to so college. Like, this is all NBA for him. He, he played in a Pan Am Games though, and he was pretty good. And that's and that's the funny thing where you look at somebody like Carmelo Anthony, and you and you say Hall of Fame, ah, uh, sure, and then you remember Olympics. that it includes. Then it includes a collegiate career, and even though he had only had one, he won a yeah. title with Syracuse, so he's definitely in because to oh, some degree, yeah. your your college career factors in 
proportionally I mean, to your NBA career right. as well. I mean, he'd be in if it wasn't Are there, without college, too. Is it like Tyler Hansborough? Can he? He could be in. Okay. Just yeah, yeah I mean, be- I think Christian Leitner's in, isn't he? Oh, I he would think so. He's one of the best collegiate basketball players ever. He's on the dream team. Well, he that counts. He got lucky, but it counts. I, there is a separate college basketball Hall of Fame, by the way. So that's what? where I think. Yeah, I, that's where scoo- I think. This is all Tyler scoo- Hansborough would probably. Oh, I think it's he might. In Kansas he, he might City. already be in. It's it in Kansas. It, yes, yeah, correct. It yeah. is in Kansas City. Um, yeah, that that would be interesting. Like, I wonder how many just like random college players who never did anything in the NBA are in there. Probably a as lot. We all go. Yeah, as so, we let's see. Shaq was only inducted in 2014. What is going on? Yeah, that it wasn't that long. It's Ralph ago. Sampson, 2011. <laughs> he was out of college in like the 80s. <laughs> what, what is this? Uh, it's all whacked. I, I I wish it was a little bit different. And there's there's still time to redo it. Yeah, I mean there is. It's just nobody cares about it that much, which is fine. I think it's fun for debate purposes. Bo Ryan cares. <laughs> Bo Ryan does care. I mean, nobody nobody views it the same way. Like the Baseball Hall of Fame is this sacred thing that people are willing to fight each other over. NBA is like, yeah, we'll let you in. You know, if if it's iffy, right. like the the MLB is like, you, you better There's, you better be a Hall of Famer. You're not coming in. The NBA is like, eh, you're pretty good for five years. Like, come on in. I will say, there's a good spirit about the Basketball Hall of Fame where it's a lot of positivity. Right. And Baseball, MLB no. is all negative, like 100 right. percent negative. It's like, how can we keep this guy out? And like, you right. basically you basically just have to like go through this gauntlet of like, all right, fine. You've I guess right. you were you were barely good enough to get in. We'll let we'll mm-hmm. we'll let you in. And we just they oh, not we. Some of they, the players who haven't been unanimous selections for the Baseball Hall of Fame it's is absurd. wild. And they just strip down character, the character of a player. They strip down what happened during their mm-hmm. season and fault them for all this stuff. And it's 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 100% negatively influenced. You know, it's right. it's how many how many X's can we put next to your name for reasons why you shouldn't get in there? The people with uh, no more than this amount of X's are in. And it's right. all like how many, you know, they're they're adding up negatives instead of looking at positives. So from that perspective, I like what basketball has going for mm-hmm. it. Randy Johnson only got 97% of it's the It's like, come on. Tony Gwynn only but, got 97% well, of the Well, that, that 3% is the MLB riding people who say that nobody should ever get in on the first ballot because... Nolan um, Ryan didn't even get 100%. Right. <laughs> like, it's, it's just stupid. wild to me, it's man. Dumb. Like. Yeah, it's 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 reverse. It's in every way it's reverse from the, the the NBA or the basketball, I should say, Hall of Fame. So looking ahead, next year eligible Grant Hill, who I had to do a double take. It was like Grant Hill actually played one more season in the NBA than Tracy McGrady, which is kind of crazy. I don't think he gets in, although he's been to three national championship games with Duke. Won two of them. Was one of the best college basketball players um, of the '90s. And probably ever a lot of mediocre points total like he the highest well, ever he had was 25.8 but other than that he never averaged more than 21 I mean, points per game without i mean he's also one of those without injuries he would have been an absolute lock no doubter yeah i mean he went he went to five all-star games in his first or six all-star games in his first seven seasons and there's as you can see if you're looking at his page, there's a very clear drop off after t- year 2000, mm-hmm. um, where things are just never the same. I think he kind of gets some respect too for like still carving out a really good career after that. Can you can you get on for your media stuff? I, I you, you might can be actually, a contributor. 
I, he might get a little uh, extra cushion from you know having yeah. a heavy pre- presence on NBA TV. Well, there's this too. Three-time NBA Sportsmanship Award winner. Oh, that counts. Yeah. So for if, you're, if, that, if that's at all a factor, I think he's in. Jason Kidd will be eligible next year. He's a complete lock, no yeah. doubt. Jerry Stackhouse, I don't that. think he's in. A uh, great college player that might help, but I don't think he w- did enough in the NBA. Rasheed Wallace going to be an interesting case. Going to Detroit and winning that title really, I think, made him a legitimate candidate. I don't think he was a legitimate candidate until then. That said, still very much questionable. And Rip Hamilton as well, also not a not a candidate unless you count you know that Detroit title, which obviously does count. Gosh, that Detroit title really put a. F- a bunch of people on the map. Right. Well, Chauncey Billups too. Yeah. I mean, Billups is not a Hall of Famer unless you unless you know you have that title included. And yeah, unless if if the Pistons didn't win that title, then we wouldn't regard Billups as high as we do. Or Ben Wallace because he was the leader of a of an equal team. You know, one of the last right. teams, and maybe you want to talk about that Mavericks team where didn't have a true superstar, but we the still Mavs regarded him as being the leader of all those grab bag of pieces. So that one title really put him on the map mm-hmm. um, when he was just an above average NBA player for the majority yep. of his career. And, and not much more than that. I think it did the most for Billups one. Ben Wallace won like three or four defensive player of the years. Like everybody knows how good he is. I think, I think Bill, yeah, I think Wallace was was yeah. two. I think Rasheed Wallace it did the most for. You think so? Other than Billups, because I mean Rasheed Wallace was basically viewed as Demarcus Cousins, and they're like, you're going to bring in this guy to this team that plays so well together, and you think he's going to be the missing piece, and then it worked out perfectly, and they won the title. You know, I think he like he changed his perception, complete 180 for a lot of people. Uh, by going to that Detroit team and doing what they did. Tayshaun Prince, not bad either. I mean, he, he was a journeyman at the end of his career. Is he still in the league? Not anymore. He played last year. He played last year, but I think the reason why he bounced around from Memphis to Boston, back to Detroit, to Minnesota, is because he had that championship experience, yeah. and he was able to he take was on a mentorship. Then, yeah. He was very young. I think he was... Well, it was like he was second or third year only, wasn't it? Right, exactly. And so because he was on that championship team, that allowed him, arguably, at least in my opinion, to have a roster spot at the end of yeah. his career. No, for sure. That I mean, that does that for a lot of guys. Once mm-hmm. you once you win that title or you get that reputation, you're just you're you kind of buys you this golden ticket for the rest of your career. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Garnett should not have been rostered over the last couple of years. No, well, um, that yeah. Did I, I just? I don't, wow, I, don't, I just really struck struck an accord with you, huh? Well, I'm just thinking back to the trade and all oh, that. Oh, gotcha. Not gotcha. Just well, a bad trade. Other players that were on rosters just because. I mean, J- James Jones, like basically oh, yeah. half of the Heat roster from right. 2011 to 2015. Richard Jefferson, yes. Yeah, you know, I think he's kind of that guy now. Um, Matt Barnes, in some ways, yeah. Has he won a title? I don't know. I, I think Matt Barnes still gives you a lot of. No, I think Matt Barnes is. Yeah, it would have been with the Lakers. I don't um, know. I think Matt Barnes actually gives you a presence on the court that. Yeah, Matt Barnes was awesome in. last night watching that Warriors game. He's, he's still good. He's way better than I thought he would be. He can play a little power forward, and he's just a lot like a solid power, he's good. small forward. No he's, ring. I think he played in that finals with Orlando, though. So he's been to the finals. Okay. D- definitely had some deep runs with the Lakers, I, I would assume. So he was with the Lakers in the playoffs in 2010-11 and 11-12. So no, because 10-11 was the heat year, the first heat year, and then the next one was 
obviously the second heat year. Sure. So I think he was there a little late, unfortunately. I mean, he had that run with Golden State where they beat Dallas. Um, I think he's more of an enforcer than a championship yeah. pedigree guy, which and you that's still fair. need. Yeah, no, I, you're Lance Stevens type. Lance Stevenson type, you're JaVale McGee types. I, I like that a lot. I, mm-hmm. I, I like it. I think Matt Barnes would be insulted if you put him in the same category as those two guys. He would. No, he's, he's not he, a clown he like they are. Yeah, no, no. He he contributes a lot more. Uh, I mean, you could. I guess you can't say this about Dirk, but if Dirk hangs on for a few more seasons, then you would say, well, he's only rostered because. I mean, it's a little bit legacy. Give the Spurs Dirk for one year. Oh, that would be great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, he's at this point, he's got to stay with Dallas. Mike Miller is a good one. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, anybody who's played with LeBron for the last like 15 years has gotten those privileges. Right. Mo Williams. Mo Williams. The list goes on. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, James and I will be back tomorrow. You will be back on Friday with Ken Kreitz in office, right? Yeah, I don't know how that's going to go down, but we've got the three amigos all within touching distance of each other for Friday's pod. Normally we've got about a Wisconsin to Vermont distance, and sometimes even Shannon Definitely calls in. Definitely can't touch each other from that So, distance. you know, we're going to be in punching distance of each other, so that'll be must. I might hop in on that. Must listen. You're not allowed. Okay. Well, I'm not even in the office on Friday, so that would, yeah, actually, no, that would require me to get up early and come to the office, so yeah. that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you don't want you don't want any of that, and I don't think the people outside of the studio walls want to be around mm-hmm. for that podcast either. And I think that'll be the final Three Amigos podcast of the year. I do believe that they are coming to an end, Nick. Yeah, and so, that would be a know, good way to go out on top, though. With Ken in office, yeah, I, I that could that could potentially be it. We'll we'll, uh, we'll make an official announcement as things get okay. closer. But I will say that we only have a couple more weeks of having at least four podcasts per week, and then most likely it's just going to be you and me mm-hmm. chipping in with uh, an occasional interview or to give our thoughts about right. the finals. Uh, yeah. and that's pretty much it. We're winding down. Yeah, like we'll after next week it'll be intermittent. Um, so it'll kind of be on a need basis. So for example, I don't know if Lance Stevenson like bites someone's ear off in round two of the playoffs. Like obviously we'll do a podcast about that. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of, we'll sparse them in as we, or parse them in, I should say, as we see fit throughout the postseason. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.